Hello and welcome to the Guardian Protection Podcast with me, financial journalist John Lappin. In this mini-series of podcasts, we will be discussing Guardian's Halo service. We've already talked to Phil Deacon, Guardian's head of claims, to get an overview of Halo and are now talking to some of the partners who helped deliver the service. Today, we are delighted to be chatting to Joe Throp, Clinical Director, Chrysalis Consultancy, a provider of specialist occupational therapy for people living with neurological conditions. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hello, John. Good to be with you today. Neurological conditions have a broad impact on an individual. Can you share with us some insights of what that impact is like? You know, over the years, I've worked with hundreds, if not thousands, um, of families. What, what I know as a specialist occupational therapist myself and in supporting our team of OTs is that neurological conditions are, are really quite unique in their impact. And that's because they impact the central nervous system. So someone's brain and their spinal cord and the consequences of those illnesses or injuries do have a very significant impact on the view that person has about themselves, especially their confidence and their self-identity and their self-esteem. You know, imagine waking up one morning being a completely different person in a completely different body that doesn't do what you want it to do. You know, these conditions are life changing. And that is true, really, for complex neurological conditions at one end of the spectrum, all the way to those living with mild to moderate symptoms. Imagine living every day with fatigue, for example, which is a common symptom of MS or having persistent memory problems, which may be present after a stroke or a brain injury. If an individual does not understand their condition, there can understandably be secondary psychological complications or mood changes. And what we know as a specialist provider of services is that these can be alleviated or avoided with specialist help. You know, neurological conditions, they really do impact the individual and, and the roles that they value and their perception of their abilities. And often the ripples are felt not only by the individual, but within the family and wider relationships. Can you give some examples in broad terms of how you help people? I think um, being an occupational therapist is probably having the best job on the planet. We are in the privileged position of working with people um, to help them achieve the things that matter to them. So as an occupational therapist, I'm really interested in everyday activities. So that may mean for one person, we may be supporting them to learn to do their teeth independently. For another, it may be relearning the skills required to be a parent living with a disability. And for another, it might be helping them turn or transition back into work. So that means that our our roles are really broad and we get to work with people in different areas of their lives that really matter to them. Now, occupational therapists as an OT, we're dual, we're dual trained. And what that means is as part of our training, we're trained in physical rehabilitation approaches. We're trained in treating cognitive or executive challenges such as memory or attention problems or behavior. And we're also um, skilled at working with people who present with maybe psychological symptoms such as anxiety or depression. We are, I think, as the Royal College of Occupational Therapists coined it, experts in the science of human being and doing. So as a profession, we help people to engage in activities that are meaningful to them. And we have a really in-depth understanding of the barriers that may impact on independence. 
And as a neuro OT, which is really what excites me and something that really drives me is, is the having an in-depth understanding of the brain, really, and how it works and what the barriers are and what happens when things go wrong in the case of illness or injury that affects our neurological system. Is demand growing as the awareness of the need for such support increases? I, I think it is. You know, I think COVID-19, as an example, has brought into sharp focus for us all the things that matter and how, as human beings, as individuals, we're comforted, we're uplifted, um, we're reassured and grow, really, through the activities that we do every day and the people we engage with. These are the things that I think prior to the pandemic, we all took for granted, you know, our valued roles, our routines, our relationships. I think the pandemic created a disconnect from these things for all of us. And in a very, very small way, we all got a very small taste of what it's like to live with a disability, with these restrictions, stopped us from doing the things we value. And really, this is where the skills of the occupational therapist come to the fore. There was a profession we are very much under-recognised, yet we have so much to offer. And I really do believe that our contribution as a profession is yet to be realised. And I think, you know, the, the future for us, and certainly for the services that chrysalis bring to the neurological population, is really has so much value. And it's exciting to see what Chrysalis and Guardian can do together to, to really make a difference. How does it differ between support after a brain injury and support after, for example, a stroke? I think that's a really good question, John, because obviously brain injury and stroke are two very separate diagnoses. In terms of what we do as occupational therapists, I guess our intervention wouldn't change, but it would be guided by that individual in terms of the goals and objectives that they would want to work on. It is important though, as clinicians, that we're mindful and fully aware of the diagnosed condition because the impact of that diagnosed condition will present in different ways, depending on whether someone is living with a stroke or whether someone is living with a brain injury. Um, a brain injury, for example, tends to be more global. It has more of a global impact on the brain. Now, an, ind an individual may be living with the symptoms of mild concussion or post-concussion syndrome that might resolve within six weeks. Or an individual may be living with more moderate to severe brain injury that might, might impact on their behaviour or their insight or their awareness of their needs. And so obviously as a clinician, we need to be aware of that, that diagnosed condition, so we can change our intervention accordingly. Stroke um, in comparison is very different um, because obviously usually a stroke happens as a result of an obstruction or an occlusion of one of the um, big blood vessels in the brain. So as clinicians, we working with our medical colleagues we have more clear idea about what area of the brain has been impacted so there is a more clear pattern on the type of symptoms someone would be experiencing if they had a stroke in one area of the brain as opposed to another. What has the feedback been like so far from people you've helped? So the feedback from our services has been immensely positive in terms of the impact that we're able to make to individuals and their families. 
I don't think I'm un- overplaying it when I say that people that work with our services say that, you know, occupational therapy is, has been life changing in terms of helping them understand themselves better and to put into play advice and strategies that make a difference to their everyday living and being and doing. And really, it's that sort of advice and therapeutic support that really makes a difference to people. I was speaking to uh, one of the Guardian team the other week about a potential new inquiry that we'd had. And we were talking about how, how would we know if someone needs your services? They, they appear to, or certainly the reports when they were discharged from AME said that they functionally didn't appear to have any challenges. Some of the information that I shared back with the team was to say that actually, in thinking about the whole person, we consider them in terms of where they are on that recovery journey. And what I mean by that is an individual who is assessed in A&E following a concussion, for example, may present with very minimal symptoms, but is that because of the environment that they are in? As soon as that individual starts to try to go back to work, or to resume daily familiar activities is often in this situation where symptoms that may not have been recognized earlier on come to the fore. And it's often those recognition of those early symptoms that if they're not managed appropriately with support can often escalate to secondary psychological complications that result in an individual experiencing more challenges that would have been experienced from the original um, injury itself. Why did you choose Guardian to launch this new service to critical illness claimants? When we launched our critical illness service, we were, I guess we were looking for partners who were open to doing things a little bit differently you know, happy to consider questioning the norm and to think, can we do things in a different way? And we were also wanting to work with organisations who had a real interest in people. You know, we certainly believe as a team that in Guardian, we found just that, you know, the partnership forged between Chrysalis and Guardian is the bringing together of a group of people who really care about the experience of those living with neurological conditions. And the shared commitment Um, and working together is about challenging the status quo and asking the question can we do things in a different way because I really think we can and we're showing that we can Um, our service uh, Chrysalis's service is innovative about bringing specialist rehabilitation professionals to the forefront of support to deliver meaningful change so that's about empowering individuals with expert knowledge in the face of this new diagnosis as well as working really closely with the specialist claims teams within Guardian so that the whole claims journey is improved because everyone learns from the sharing of expert knowledge. So what happens in practice when a referral is made? We have a clear defined process for um, accepting referrals for any potential new claims. So the Chrysalis team will collaborate closely with the Guardian's um, specialist claims teams The reason why we do that is our initial conversation is very much providing very general advice based on the diagnosed condition. So there is a need for us to speak more generally about that that diagnosis and how that diagnosis may or may not be impacting on the individual. 
And that collaboration is really important because there's often an assumption that if someone presents with mild to moderate symptoms or maybe more mild symptoms, that they don't have a rehabilitation need. When in actual fact, for some individuals, the reverse may be true. So, you know, someone has mild symptoms and actually they do have rehabilitation needs um, that needs to be met. So we help the claims team to understand or interpret some of the information that they have to, to then um, make a decision about whether or not a referral needs to happen um, to our service. Um, at that point, if a referral is made, we're then able to pick up the support of that individual and um, move forward with our specialist assessment and um, intervention and advice. So we've been talking about the perception an individual may have about their condition and, and their family as well. But what about the broader public perception of neurological conditions? This is an interesting question, John. I, I think... That the vast majority of people um, prefer to avoid them or to sweep them under the carpet. I don't think they are conditions that most people want to focus on because I think um, in general, um, as a society, I think we're quite afraid of neurological conditions. I don't know whether or not that's a reflection of the way that we treat people living with neurological conditions um, and the views that we hold about them. I know there was a, a Sue Ryder um, study in um, 2016, and they asked a number of people their views on a broad range of conditions just to see how they would respond. And the response of that study highlighted that 45% of people were fearful of neurological conditions. They were afraid of diagnosis such as MS um, and stroke, for example, as opposed to other conditions such as cancer. And that to me actually says quite a lot in the, in the fact that, you know, people would rather have a diagnosis of coronary heart disease or stroke than have a neurological condition. And I think that says something about the way we as society view people with neuroconditions and arguably the support that we give them. I think there's a fear of neurological conditions and I think we're all guilty of thinking well it won't happen to me it, that they're the sort of conditions that happen to other people yet it's interesting in through the course of my work you know speaking more broadly about the role of the occupational therapist usually in one room there's usually one or two people that says actually do you know what my, my dad's had a stroke or yes my sister was diagnosed with MS so you know these conditions are growing and they do impact people and families and from my perspective you know I, I think we must not be afraid to to open up the conversations talk about things that make us feel uncomfortable and to challenge the norm and I think that's where this service has has come about with the collaboration with Guardian because it's about saying these people exist and they have a need and we should as society strive wherever possible to meet those needs. And I think as well, you know, it's also about thinking about the value placed on people living with disability. So take motor neurone disease, for example. Well, we know that motor neurone disease will very sadly result in an untimely end. It is a life limiting condition. But I believe as an occupational therapist, the value of that person does not leave the earth until they do. So we could argue that ensuring the end 
for that person is lived as that person wished means their impact lives on long after they've left and as an occupational therapist we value people and when working with people living with motor neurone disease we manage deteriorating function whilst at the same time helping that individual achieve their maximum potential now that is no easy task but it's an important job because people living with neurological conditions they don't want in the case of motor neurone disease early palliative care and a hug and a blanket and um, if they've had a stroke they don't want to be told well you know that that's the end this is it they want to live and I think the financial cushion delivered by a critical illness policy can help an individual do just that really specialist services like chrysalis working in partnership with guardian raises awareness and challenges the assumptions that a neurological diagnosis should be considered the end you know and I think as our healthcare provision is changing many of us are more proactive than ever at managing our own healthcare. and and I think you know to have the opportunities to be able to do that can only be a good thing so it is about really recognizing and acknowledging the unique needs of this group of people and challenging assumptions around that potential. Thank you, Joe, for talking to the Guardian Protection podcast today about chrysalis. And thank you very much for listening. Please keep a lookout for the other podcasts in the series.